And this is Chuck Wolf, and you're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. Uh, I want to thank Kyle Frano for his wonderful show right before I got on. It's so much fun to listen. Thanks, Kyle. Have a great day. And uh, it's nice to be here with you. For those of you who are brand new to the show, I'll tell you a little bit about the show in a moment. And for those of you that tune in regularly, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate everybody that likes to listen regularly. And I hope that uh, what you're learning and what you're hearing and what you're thinking about as a result of this show makes you feel special, gives you that chance to generate inner peace for you and for those you love and care about, for those you work with, for those you come into contact with in your communities. This show is all about taking the wheel and controlling how you feel. And hopefully you uh, get some insights and some ideas from this show each time I'm on. The show is on the first and second Wednesdays of each month from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern time or New York time, as some of you like to say. Anyway, it's great to be here with you, and uh, I've got a few things I'd like to talk to you about today, but I also always want to give everybody a chance who's been waiting to talk to me to call in, so I'll give you the number right away. It's 203-336-9756, 203-336-9756. So if you've been waiting to call, give me a call and we'll talk right away. For those of you new to the show, the reason people call in is because they call in when there's any reasons that they might be experiencing some difficulties and some challenging situations in their lives that they're not sure how to deal with. And again, for regular listeners, you know, I, I've often made the comment that when smart people are stuck, when really good critical thinkers are stuck, when really excellent problem solvers can't seem to solve a problem, it's almost always because they're feeling something emotional inside themselves, some conflicting emotions possibly, some uncertainty, some self-doubt, or they're dealing with another person or several other people or groups of people, and they're worried about the emotions of these other people, and they're not really quite sure how to proceed. Thank you for calling. You're on the air. This is Chuck Wolf. Can I uh, have your first name? This is Robert Berry calling for Rob. Oh, uh, for Rod Richardson? Are you calling the the, uh, the well, broadcast I'm calling station? For an, an interview with Rob Silver. Sorry, he's not here, and this is Chuck Wolf, and I'm I'm on the air right now, so I can't take your call. Well, I'm sorry about that, um, but I, that, this is the right number, huh? Uh, yeah, he's not here. I don't know when he's going to be in. Sorry, I can't help you. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah. Okay, well, that was my first call, but it wasn't for me. <laughs> it's an interesting way for the day to start, huh? So if you want to call me, again, the number is 203 Three three six nine seven five six two zero three 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 six nine seven five six, and I'm Chuck Wolf, and you're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And as I was saying, when smart people are stuck, when they're uncertain how to proceed, and when they're really struggling with um, challenging situations, it's awfully because something emotional is happening, and in that emotion that they experience. In that emotion that they experience, they're wondering how to handle it. And one way to deal with situations like that is simply to just begin to think about the emotion roadmap. The emotion roadmap is this template, this methodology, this process, a lot of, a lot of ways to describe it, that simply puts into perspective a way of handling emotional situations that really is helpful in almost any circumstance. 
And so the way it works is that I ask you a series of questions. I ask you first to just tell me a little bit about your situation so I know something about it. And because the show's on the air for 55 minutes, I can only take what you might call an executive summary, if you will, just kind of a, a shorthand view of what's going on for you. And then I ask you how you're feeling about what's happening. And I ask if there's anyone else that's key to what you're trying to get done, how he or she or they are feeling. And after I ask about what you are currently feeling and what anyone else who's key is currently feeling, I then ask you the question, what would be ideal to feel? If you could make anything happen, if you could make magic happen, what would you really like to feel? And what would you like to feel is really an important question because it basically gets you to the place where you you start to think about, well, if I'm feeling anxious, as an example, and I want to feel confident, what would I like to feel? I mean, if I, if I know I want to feel confident, what would it make me feel confident? What can I do to make me feel confident? How can I make that happen? And then I start to explore with you, well, if what you're feeling is anxious and what you want to feel is confident, the next question is, how might you change from anxious to confident? And I walk you through how to do that. Now, it sounds like that shouldn't be that hard, but while these are simple questions, it's often profound, the impact they have when you think about how to answer them. So you go from what you are feeling to what would be ideal to feel to how do I get from what I'm feeling to what's ideal for me and for others. And then you think about several different strategies that might help you to get from, again, anxious to confident. And then you ask yourself, well, are any of these strategies something I'm really able to do? And if you can answer yes to that question, the second question that's really important to answer yes to is, are you willing? Because sometimes we're able but not willing, and there's a variety of reasons for that. And sometimes we're willing, but we're just not able. We may not have the time, we may not have the competency, we may not have money, if that's what it takes. Whatever it might take, we may not have the ability to get it done, or we might not have the attitudinal um, willingness to do what it takes. So then we don't have a real strategy. But if you can answer, yes, I'm willing, and yes, I'm able, then you have a strategy that helps you deal with the emotional side of things. And sometimes everybody that's listening, magic happens. If you're a regular listener, you've heard some of the magic before. I got an interesting question this morning from somebody I'm doing some work with today. And James, if you're listening, it's a shout out to you. But one of the things that I was asked was, what are some of my favorite calls? And as I thought, I, geez, you know, there's a bunch of them, a lot of them. One of them was with a fellow named Michael who called. And Michael's question was, my business, and he had a variety of reasons why, but his business was failing. He'd been at it for 20 years, very successfully most of those years, but something in the marketplace had changed. Some of the regulations from the government had changed, and his business wasn't going to make it, and he knew that. And he was feeling somewhat depressed and sad, of course, about losing his business. So when we have a sense of loss, we feel sadness. And then I asked him, well, do you have a family? And he does. He had a, he had a, a wife and some younger children at home, and he was struggling with, you know, the fact that, you know, how's he going to support him? And so as we talked and we began to think, look, that's how you're feeling, somewhat despondent and sad. You're experiencing a loss of something you've loved. It's normal. It's normal to grieve when you've lost something important to you. But then what do you want to feel instead? Well, I want to feel confident 
that I can provide for my family, that I can maybe start a new business or I can work someplace, somehow, some way I can bring an income in to take care of those I love. And then we began to explore with him, what do you have inside yourself that you've developed over the years, those abilities that have helped you to create a successful business for some 20 years that you take with you? Even though this particular business is failing at the moment, what lessons have you learned that you can carry forward? Now, as we explore these ideas, I recognized with Michael that he didn't have the same energy levels he had when he started this business, of course, because he was older. You know, if he started when he was 22, he was 42 now. But how much smarter was he after 20 years in business? What mistakes could he avoid that he made when he was younger starting out? How could he leverage all the talent and skill and knowledge that he'd gained over those years to go forward? How could he feel confident that no matter what comes, he was going to be capable of providing for those he loved? By the end of the phone call, he was just all wound up about how excited he was about trying again with a new start. It's interesting how we experience loss. We go through this grieving experience. It was first associated with death by Kubler-Ross when she said, you know, you go through this denial and anger, and then after the anger and denial kind of pass, you begin to realize, you know, life goes on. You move on. Even without the loved one or without the love thing that's out of your life now, and you start to experience this idea that, hey, there's a new adventure in front of me, and the exploration of what comes next begins to get somewhat interesting and then even exciting. And when you activate that new next experience, the next chapter you're going to write for your life, it becomes exhilarating potentially. And that's one of the phone calls I remembered that really stayed with me. Because I, And I shared this one with a lot of you because I know many people who are listening have had the failure of a business in recent years. And so I hope that's meaningful to you. I hope that comes across as something that matters to you. But I've had people call in about loved ones, about relationships. I had somebody else that I'm coaching who was exploring how to improve her prioritization and her ability to handle a much larger, meaningful role that she was given based on her earlier successes, a really large number of successes at a lower levels and given this ultimately much bigger challenge. And she was struggling and dealing with that. And, you know, she, she wanted to explore some of the things that I had been telling her about when we were talking, when I was coaching her. And she said, you know, um, I'd love to listen to some of the other other topics that you've talked about. And I said, and I gave her a bunch of a bunch of, of different you know podcasts that I've that I've saved over the years of some of the shows that I've done, and um, and I thought she'd be listening to one on leadership that I did with a very good friend named John Caparello, who's one of the best leaders I've ever worked with in my life. It's really excellent uh, about how to lead successfully, how to engage employees, how to inspire others, how to not even talk about them as employees but as team members and why language matters, and how to build trust in an organization. That's what I thought she listened to. But after she explored a bunch of topics, she decided to listen to something about marriage relationships that I had done some time ago. And she thought it was so powerful. 
because she's been so caught up in the workload that she's taken on as a result of this enormously um, responsible position she's been given that she decided to explore her relationship with her husband because she felt like she was so overwhelmed with work that she was starting to lose something there, something really important, and that's what she focused on. And so as we talked about that, I said, well, you know what? I think it's fine that you focused on that because you focused on what you thought was most important. If family is most important, then sure, you should focus on that. And the skills you're going to learn with me, from me, are going to be about life skills, that what you learn in your marriage is going to be transferable to what you use in the workplace and what you learn about the workplace are going to be transferable to what you do with your family and in your communities. Because the emotion roadmap is a life skill. It's a tool for life that you can apply to work or at home. So if you've got challenges either in the workplace or at home, in your communities, with friends, with workers, with bosses, with employees, with team members, and you want to give me a call and see how this works. And the reason that I do this show is that everybody who calls in and has an interest in seeing how this works, everybody that has that interest, when you call me with something that you want some help with, and I can help you and demonstrate how the roadmap works, everybody listening benefits. Everybody listening has a chance to learn how to use this in their own lives. And just like I told you the story about Michael, I hope everybody that's a small business owner who's had the experience of a loss of a small business recently can listen to what I said to Michael and hopefully benefit. So if you got something you want to call about, give me a call at 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. I've had some really interesting calls the last few times I've been on the air. I just put one of the podcasts up the other day. It was a young woman living at home and the challenges that she faced trying to regain her independence. She'd struggled a bunch with, um, oh, I, I well, with n- numerous problems that she had trying to become independent and now was living back at home and was challenged with being treated somewhat as a child, even though she was 27 years old, by her parents. And yet some of the behavior was very childlike. So how do you break away? How do you become an adult? How do you live as a grown-up when you're struggling with the transition? How do you develop emotional maturity? So we had a lovely talk about that. And then someone else who was very despondent about feeling as though he hadn't accomplished much and he was towards the end of his life's journey and he was hoping to somehow make a difference in a meaningful way. And so we explored that. Really, really interesting conversation. That's on SoundCloud if you want to listen to it. It's also on the Public Radio Exchange. If you go to the Emotion Roadmap on SoundCloud or you go to the Public Radio Exchange, prx.org, and you find um, the Emotion Roadmap, you'll, you'll see these shows, and you can listen to them there. So again, the number to call is 203-336-9756. I always come with a few topics to talk about in case I don't get calls right away. And I suppose there might be a whole bunch of people out at the beach today. It is one of those days where it's pretty steamy in Connecticut here. Comfortable in the studio, though. i got to say that. 
Well, you know, it's funny. I thought I was going to have a caller right away. Sometimes it takes a while for a call. After the first call, then I usually get a bunch of calls. It's like somebody has to break the ice. And then I got that first call, but it wasn't for me. <laughs> Life has a funny way of dealing with you sometimes. Here we go. Hi, this is Chuck. You're on the air. Who am I talking to? Uh, it's Neil. Hi, Neil. Um, yeah, I've been um, struggling. I separated from my wife and... Um, I have found that I'm not as strong as I thought I was, and I have the opportunity to, um, you know, she would be willing to um, reunite, and I'm just not sure that I'm ready for that. So I'm trying to, going through a lot of depression about indecision and that I've had in the past, and um, just, you know, strategies for trying to make decisions that are important. And um, having had, you know, some mental health uh, hospitalizations over the years as well. Okay, so you've got, uh, th- 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 this isn't a simple one, I don't think, Neil, right? But my right. guess is you've thought a lot about this. So what are you, Where? how are you leaning right now? How are you feeling? Do you, you feel, are you leaning towards getting back together or you feel like it's really important to stay away? Yeah, I'm really in a a predicament about that because I've had this crisis before and have separated before and always come back. And then this last time I um, felt this kind of renewal in my life when I separated, but some of it involved um, what you call bipolar behaviors. I just was not true to myself. I did some, you know, illegal things and um, that was part and parcel of the separation. So I'm evaluating a whole bunch of things that I did in my life. And, um, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards I need family. And um, that's all That's all I know. I don't just don't know how I feel about being married. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, it's kind of a, um, it's just that tough place to be in. And I'm just trying to, you know, whether I, I mean, I do believe in prayer or somewhat, and I, you know, and so I'm trying to, it's a decision because I'm 70 years old and I'm, I'm not as strong as I thought I was to be on my own in 900 miles away in addition to most of my family. Oh, so this is a physical separation by quite a distance. Yeah, but at the moment I'm back in the house with her. So, but, um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get out of the, you know, the, the deep depression, which I was hospitalized for, and, and um, I'm in a program right now, so I'm, I'm going to take that day by day uh, in an in intensive outpatient hospital program. So, um, okay. Yeah. So you're getting um, some help already from professionals, right? Yes, I am. Okay. And you, uh, in, in calling me... Uh, what you heard me say was, uh, how are you feeling and how do you want to feel? And if you can make magic happen, how do you want to feel? I mean, that's, is that the reason for the phone call to see if magic happens yeah. here? <laughs> yeah, just to, I'm not been a person who, because I've gone through such horrible indecision about this in the past, that I almost feel like I have a block towards hearing what my feelings are. 
um, you know what I mean? I don't know how to explain that, but I'm, I, I feel like I'm intellectually locked up or something. Oh, well, um, so let me ask you this. Um, again, you're dealing with a lot of mental health professionals, so what have, what have they told you about this subject? I don't want to repeat things that you've already heard. Yeah, I want to kind of really, know what... We yeah. really didn't talk about it yet because it's more of a structured curriculum program. Okay. Um, the one counselor, which is I don't have um, insurance for, so it's, it's kind of expensive, but... Um, he just said, well, don't see it as the marriage right now. Just try to have the relationship. And um, so I've kind of taken that into consideration and, uh, um, to just try and have a strong relationship with her because we are sharing meals and living together at the moment. So I always in a case like this, there's more than you in this particular instance, this her. And what do you, what would you say if you were to give your best educated guess how she's feeling right now? She would like to see us reconcile. She wants change because the marriage was not the great, the greatest in terms of me being um, a sharer in the, uh, I guess the, the drudgery of everyday life and stuff, the cleaning and the, and the work around the house. So, um, and then, so I think she would like to reconcile. I feel like I need to, this time, um, have some sense. I feel like it's almost like I'm crushing some ind- independent spirit, which felt very happy for a few months being alone. And um, uh, But some of it was based not on some realism. There was some... Uh, uh, grandiose thinking and just behaviors that were not normal that I kind of threw myself into. And I, um, you know, some things I'm not proud of and um, that I have a a court case coming up for as well. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to uh, sort out how to make a good choice this time around and um you know just and from the heart that that's going to stick this time because um because we have we have had you know struggles in our marriage for the, since the beginning now let me ask you uh was it neil is that what you said yeah yeah neil do you love your wife i do i do love my wife i don't always love her. I don't know if I love her in the romantic sense, but I do love her. And how... And I, how, and I uh, deeply respect her Her love, how much she's put into the marriage, too. I deeply am grateful for that. So... Well, let me share something I, I think that might be useful for you to think about. And, uh, you know, because I think you're going to probably be getting some help with your own emotions with the people you're seeing. Yeah, But I find that therapists don't always focus on uh, what are you doing to make the other person in this relationship feel great? Mm-hmm. They're focused more on you and right. getting your medications right and getting you, you know, the bipolar under control and all that. I mean, I mean, those are reasonable goals for them, but they don't always focus on what you're doing with the other person in the situation. And right. I think if... If if I understand and I heard you accurately and I assess this correctly, Neil, uh, one of the problems is a lot of this is like all in your own head about you 
and about what's happening with you and how you need to live your life and how you weren't as strong as you wanted to be. And you kind of felt like it was a beautiful thing when you were independent because it was all not working for a while. And then you missed the family. You missed the dynamic of being in a relationship and having a family. And and so now you're back. And when I said, which way are you leaning? I, I didn't know you were living with, with the woman. So you're obviously yeah. leaning to at least to be there. And if, yes, I, I had to come back up. And I was coming up to help move stuff out. And then... You know, the situation with the depression just hit, so I ended up entering a program up here and being part of that. So so I, I love what the what the other person told you about, you know, focus on the relationship, not about the marriage. I, I yeah. think I think if you can build on that, and maybe this is this might be helpful to you, because if you I, I mean, let me ask you how you want your wife to feel about you and how you want her to feel with you, and how you want her to experience herself when she's with you. How, mm-hmm. What kind of feelings do you want for her to have as a result of you being in that home? Well, I guess I want her to know that I love her completely. That's the, the bottom line, that I'm not going to be judgmental or critical of her. So and, you, um, you want her to feel loved. Let me let me turn that around. The feelings you want her to feel loved and supported. Does that work? Yeah, yeah. She's she's changed the house completely in the time okay. that I've gone. Okay. So she's she's found her her own therapy um, and stuff. So, um, but uh, she still loves me, and um, you know. So I I kind of. Um, you know, and I'm I'm sort of saying you need to be realistic at this point in your life that you would be better off with a, with a supportive person in your life, such as herself, than to just be doing the free and bachelor kind of bipolar thing that you were doing down in Florida, and um, so. Well, let me ask you this: you've you've been in and out of this relationship for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. When it's worked best, when it's been at its finest moments, do you have any recollection of what was happening that that made it work when it was working? Um, Yeah, I guess just just being kind, just having more kindness towards her. That would be be the the key. Um, Less, I've always kind of kept the marriage separate she has her interests and i have mine and i kind of like felt like i never really married married i just kind of um you know we had a family together so that was married married right um um yeah i she's just a terrific person and just that's all i just i just maybe it's just got to be gratitude towards how what a kind person she is towards me so so let me give you something to build on that okay let me give you a way to build on that and by the way i know there's somebody else calling i just want you to know i'm here by myself yeah that's fine no 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 no. i I don't want to let i don't want you to go i want to finish because i think i can help you so one of the things i think is if you can build on what you were told about focusing on the relationship if you can build on what you said really seemed to work was when you were kind to her yeah and if i can add to that 
a focus on every day and what you consider the drudgery of every day. By the way, I think you know people have affairs lots of times because it's all romantic and it's sex and it's lust. And there's none of take the trash out, will you, honey? <laughs> Get the right, dishes right. done. Come on. Like, I don't want them piling up in the sink. What are we going right. to have for dinner tonight? I mean, all that is sort of the day-to-day stuff where right. I think if you embrace that, yeah. And you look and ask yourself every day when you get up in the morning, not how do I stop myself from being depressed, but how do I keep my wife feeling loved? How do mm-hmm. I do any you know, take the focus off yourself and focus on your wife and be in the present moment. There was a book by Barbara Ramdas years ago called Be Here Now. <laughs> and you might mm-hmm. be old enough to remember it. But anyway, it was this I like, do remember. Yeah, so it's about being really present. Right. And it's about being in the moment and loving the fact that you're with this woman that is this woman who is, loves you dearly, wants so much to have this kindness from you, doesn't right. want to be judged, just wants to be loved and supported. And you know what? I think, unless, unless I'm wrong, I think you're able and, and it sounds like willing to do that. I think I've got to give it a shot because um, right now I don't feel... Um, I, I basically what happened is I drove down there and I got, you know, kind of stuck on the road. And of course she's, who's the person that I call? I don't really have a lot of, um, support for people, you know, when I was stuck on the road and, um, I called her and, um, you know, she was still there for me and God, you know, it's pretty rare these days, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, if you can remember this, so when you get up in the morning, Neil, just ask yourself, what am I going to do for my wife today? Or, or remind yourself that, you know, whatever comes up today, I'm going to make, I'm going to look at that as special moments. So who knows how much time we have on this, on this, you know, planet Earth and, right. you know, whatever life we got left, you know, make every day special, as special as you can. I mean, I don't think you can maintain this for, at a high level every day, every moment, but work at it. And, and I think if you get out of your own head and trying to deal with all the things that have been a struggle for you forever, and you start right. thinking about, I'm not going to worry about me because, you know what, when you worry about her and you see the kindness and, and support coming from you and what it does for her, it's going to make you yeah. feel better anyway. Sounds like a plan. I'm going to definitely put that, take that to heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you the best with it, Neil, and thanks for the call. All right. Thank you very much, Chuck. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Chuck Wolf. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please? My name is Mark. Hi, Mark. Thanks for the call. Yeah, and um, I think it was kind of a, a guide incident, so I was uh, driving to the beach, and I tuned in WPKN, and um, I had heard your show periodically over the years, and I said, this is a good time to pull over and see if I, if I can share um, uh, something with you. Now, I'm uh, 67, and uh, I think generally I'm in a pretty good space, personal development, and things going on in my life. And um, I met a woman a couple of years ago. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, I know what it is anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we're engaged, and we, we share a house together, and things are, things are good between us. And she has a son who lives with us also. And this is about the son. And he's 31. He's a sweet young man. And um, he was born premature, and then he had a stroke uh, in those early days. And um, it uh, impacted part of his uh, brain, you know, no, no fault of his own, but um, probably has approximately an 80 IQ. And 
the mom did everything she could and still does. And he's uh, kind of normal. Um, he works in a uh, supermarket. He's got a driver's license. But, you know, intelligence is, I, I guess, relative. Uh, his is there's an upside. And I've struggled with trying to find um, the right word to describe him. You know, I, I'm of the age when, uh, you know, a lot of people were institutionalized and uh, and uh, the word retarded was bandied about, you know, by uh, young guys at the bus stop. And that's no longer the case. Right. Our society wants everyone to live to the fullest ability uh, as a human to achieve mm-hmm. their potential. And we certainly want this for um, my future stepson. Right. I think the love is stepson. Um, so uh, I've struggled with trying to find the right, um, how to describe him. I, I definitely do not say the, the R word. Uh, and he's not, he's not specifically special needs. He's in the low end of the, what's the, the, I guess the bell curve of what's considered average. And we, he's, he's born with his job, but they've been very good to him where he works. He's got a, uh, he's got health benefits. He can participate in a 401k. They like him there. They, they know his situation. They know, uh, myself and his biological mom we stop in so they know that we're not just uh, uh absentee parents so are, are there, would you recommend or would you could you give us kind of a uh, like a roadmap to um like a job coach are there any kind of social organizations that can help him maybe plot out a career he wants to, he wants things that everybody wants to he wants to live independently he wants a girlfriend he'd love to get married lacking in self-confidence there, there are issues that you know as a man um i haven't spent it perhaps as much time in exploring with him but i don't want to step on his uh, on his oxygen hose either so you can ask anything you'd like yeah thanks mark uh, i as, as far i'm developmentally challenged i think as uh, my daughter's in this field and i think that's what they say um but instead of the word retarded i actually don't think the word retarded is a terrible word but it got a terrible you know um reputation i think but 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 anyway i know what you mean so the i think there's 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 organizations that specialize in this and i'm sure you must know about those right no, I don't really. I think it's far as I think it is, um, but I, I'm not an expert. So I, I what I think there's uh, there there must have been along the way, and maybe you can explore this with it with uh, with his mom. Um, you know, in school counselors that helped him find programs to help get him the job that he got because I know that there's career coaches for this kind of work and but but again I'm no expert in trying to give you the recommendation for this right. so I think you got to go exploring I wish I could be more helpful on that I think what's called FARS F-A-R-S because we have oh, a neighbor a neighborhood um, in our neighborhood there was a this wonderful young man that everybody in the neighborhood loves he's just a, he's just a really lovable kind of guy uh, and he's on that spectrum he's on the low or IQ and he's been living in a group home and he's been independent in the sense that he goes to work every day and he has a job and he comes home to visit on holidays and he goes around exploring the neighborhood and um you know, he seems to be living a pretty full life. It's challenging. I know that in certain instances, in particular states, some states have a lot more funding and um, programming for for people like this. 
than uh, than perhaps Connecticut does. I know one of my uh, wife's friends moved, I believe, to Delaware because that had a particularly good program for for people in a in a category similar to your to your future stepson. So, right. I mean, okay. you may want to start to look at what different states might have in the way of programming and whether or not that's worth considering. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to work best for you, but I think right. those are the kind of things I would explore. I would see if the school has a record and I would go back because, you know, he's, he's 31, so it's a long time since he's been in school. But right. if, you, if your wife has the history of how they got him this job, how did that happen? Was there some help through any kind of organization Organization and what kind of support is there out there now for for folks like him? Okay, all right. That help? Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You bet. And th- it's it's lovely that you wanted to stop and call and just. I think as long as you're on the track, I'd make uh, I'd make some time in the day to kind of follow through and figure out what you're going to do next on that. It's a great okay. it's a great goal, Mark. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye bye. Okay, folks, you've been listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. You're tuned to WPKN in Bridgeport, 89.5 FM. I'm Chuck Wolf, and this is the Independent Community Radio broadcasting from the campus of the University of Bridgeport. By the way, we're moving to downtown Bridgeport soon, and that's going to be exciting for all of us. Um, that move is going to probably happen around September. Serving Fairfield, New Haven, and Litchfield counties in Connecticut and Suffolk County in New York's Long Island. We stream around the world at WPKN.org. You can hear us on TuneIn Radio or our app, which is WPKN Live. And via your smart speakers, just tell Siri or Alexa to play WPKN Radio. And that should work for you. So um, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody that's tuned in. We have about 20 more minutes or so. So if you've got something you'd like to chat with me about, and I want to thank Neil and Mark for calling in. The number is 203-336-336. Nine seven five six two zero three 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 six nine seven five six. Well, I'm waiting for other callers. I do want to just say that um, this uh, July 2021 is a significant time for people who have been advocates for recreational marijuana. This has been uh, a law that has been approved in Connecticut. I'm sure most, if not all of you listening to WPKN know that that's happened in this, uh, in our state of Connecticut. Um, but I would like to talk about it a bit because I know that there are people, some of uh, friends of mine that are legislators in, in uh, the state had some serious concerns about, you know, is this going to lead to more usage among younger people? Now, I didn't share that concern to the degree that they did, because obviously, uh, to me anyway, and to many others, marijuana has been available for a very long time, for many, many years. And if people wanted to use it, they have uh, certainly can find ways to use it before it was legal anyplace. And now, of course, it's legal uh, in New York and it's legal in Massachusetts. So you just simply have to cross the border, depending on where you live, and you can buy it there legally. Uh, but there's still, I guess, a tremendous black market for this. And so there's this big drive to make sure that we have um, somehow the the funds that come from marijuana sales get used in, in a responsible manner and uh, address social equity issues that have been out there f- forever. And those are typically applied to communities where people have been harmed the most by drug laws that seemingly... Um, 
treatment seemed to have been different in certain areas of our state or in our country than in other places. And with different um, populations, groups of demographics uh, suggest that certain groups were targeted or at least didn't have the resources to um, to prevent getting jail terms or records from use, using marijuana illegally in the past. So they wanted try to do something to correct that. And one of the things that I've advocated, and now that it, this is legal, uh, I would su- suggest if any of you have any contact with people that are on this board that are going to determine how the revenue stream is going to be used that comes in from marijuana, that I would encourage you to share this idea with members of that board, that you look to Sandy Hook in particular. All of you probably listening know about the Sandy Hook massacre a number of years ago where a young man was um, took took some guns and shot a whole bunch of young kids and teachers and people in a school setting and um, it was a very horrible event and the Sandy Hook promise and the foundation that resulted from that horrific time and event um, has produced some wonderful programs to help kids in school to develop social and emotional abilities at higher levels than they would have otherwise. And the research that's been done, and I'm very familiar with a lot of research that's been done on emotional intelligence, has demonstrated that children who are higher in emotional intelligence scores tend to be children who are highly responsible, who are significantly better leaders who are better students, who get better test scores, who are more inclusive of others, who are more tolerant and, rec- and recognize the value in diversity and difference. And that's so much of what we all want for our children today that wouldn't it be great, at least in my mind, if we could use some of the funding that comes from marijuana sales to help support Sandy Hook's programming, which they do for free. I mean, you have to pay for their cost, but there is no profit in it for them to come in and do social and emotional learning programs in schools anywhere and everywhere. And wouldn't it be great if we helped them to do that in our Connecticut schools? Now, there's other programs, and I'm a big fan of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. They have what they call the Ruler Program. Regulate, understand, label, express, and um, recognize emotions. I guess it goes the other way. Recognize, understand, label, express, and regulate emotions. That's another really excellent program. More expensive, though. But any way that we could increase our children's social-emotional learning, not not just for the kids, but for the teachers, the administrators, and parents, Think about the fact that if we use the money that way, less children will have interest in getting high. The more self-worth we generate in kids, the more self-confidence we create in children, the more we help children to see the value in being inclusive of everybody, no matter what the differences might be whether it's sexual orientation, skin color, religion, it doesn't matter. There is wonder in diversity. And can we increase our level of acceptance and inclusion? 
through programming like this, wouldn't that be a great use of the revenue stream from recreational sales now that it's legal? We have a year or so before this is all going to start happening where those revenue streams are going to be materializing. And we have time to develop those ideas. So if you like those ideas and, you know, well, either your legislator, your local state representative or your local state senator, share those ideas if you like them. I believe that there are so many good people in our country with lots of good ideas who don't always, I mean, none of us are perfect. But if we act on the idea of trying to be the best possible versions of ourselves and helping others to be the best possible versions of themselves, there's so many of us that want that, but we aren't necessarily willing to do the work or able to do the work. And sometimes we're willing, but we don't know how. And sometimes We know how, but we're not willing. And I want to encourage all of you (laughs) to step up and take some accountability for encouraging our elected officials to use that revenue stream to drive social and emotional learning. And look at the Sandy Hook Promise Foundation programs first, because they're nonprofit and they do a great job. I hear great things about the work that they've done. And also, again, look at the ruler program from the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. My friend Mark Brackett runs that program. He's done an amazing job putting that together. And they're doing that. They have, that program is happening all over the world. So I think if you look at those, and maybe you know of other choices and other programs that you also have heard have great reputations. So I'm not suggesting it has to be one program or another, but the idea of social-emotional learning that impacts kids, and parents and teachers and administrators holistically, then there's a chance for something better to be happening in our schools and in our in our communities. So I encourage you to think about that. If you have a thought about that and you want to share it, give me a call, 203-336-9756, 203-336-9756. Again, if you want to call me about something going on in your life, something to do with your family, your workplace, your community, your religious organizations, your clubs, your sports teams, whatever it might be. Give me a call. 203-336-9756. So while I'm waiting for your call, I, I, I do have something else that I'd like to share with you. I use this public forum, hopefully for good. Um, there's another idea that's out there that I think is worth paying some attention to. I hope you feel this way too. Although anytime I talk politics, I know that I'm running a risky gauntlet (laughs) that some people, no matter what you say, if it's not exactly the way they think, they think you're wrong and evil somehow. Uh, Well, hopefully you won't feel that way about what I'm about to say. But I think that there's a whole bunch of people that um, are neither extreme left or extreme right and it doesn't mean that they're conservative or they're liberal. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that they're willing to listen, not to one view or another view, and not to one party or another party, but just willing to listen to what somebody believes is what's best for the country, what's best 
And I don't mean it in terms of judgment of somebody's point of view on the left or somebody's point of view on the right as being wrong or right. I think sometimes the left makes a great deal of sense, but sometimes the right does too. And I just try to find what makes the most sense for everyone. And right now, there's a group in the Senate and in the House that are working collaboratively across party lines to try to create and pass an infrastructure bill. Some of you who pay attention to politics may have seen President Biden come out a couple of weeks ago and make the announcement that said, we have a deal. Now, we don't have a deal yet, but he meant he and some Republicans and some Democrats had agreed on an infrastructure deal that the country sorely needs. And then there came some pushback from the Democratic side that said, yeah, but there's a whole bunch of other things we need too. And we'd like to get them all in that one bill, or we'd like to at least get the both bills passed at the same time. And I think some of the things that the Democrats want in that other part of the package are great ideas and I supportable, whether it's, you know, long-term care for people or it's more education support for preschools or whatever it might be. I think there are other great ideas, but they aren't the same as repairing tunnels and bridges and airports and trains and bus and so forth. And I think all that makes some sense as President Biden and those Democrats and Republicans said. So I hope that all of you who feel similarly to me will contact your representatives and your senators and put forward your support for let's take this win while we have the chance. And then let's fight for the other things we care about too. But let's not lose the battle on infrastructure because we want other things and we're not willing to go along with the things that we absolutely need that everyone can agree on. Now, I realize that I run the risk of alienating some people by saying this, but I just believe it's really important to get people together and do what we can where we can agree on what's in the best interest for all of us. And that's why I support this group called No Labels. I also support another group called Braver Angels, and I'm hoping that the groups work together soon in ways that will benefit um, this country. We're hoping to get some. We did have the chance to have a Republican and a Democrat talk about how citizens can bridge the congressional divide not too long ago. And it was a great experience having uh, a Democrat from Virginia, Elaine Loria, and a Republican, Brian Fitzpatrick, on our show. From He's from Pennsylvania. Uh, it was a Zoom affair, and we had over a 1,000 people sign up for us. It was great. So I'm, I actively try to do what's right for the country, and I hope that you might want to do that as well. Again, if you want to call me, i got a few minutes left. Uh, it's 203-336-9756. One of the other things I'd like to share with you, well, again, while I'm waiting, is that there is um, we just celebrated Independence Day. And uh, while our country is far from perfect, Happy birthday to America. <laughs> Happy birthday to America. I was just listening to Woody Guthrie's version of This Land is Our Land. Um, I just, you know, I spent like 15 minutes just listening to different versions of the song the other day. It was so much fun to listen. One of the best versions I thought was with Arlo Guthrie and Willie Nelson and uh, Neil Young and others and Joan Baez and um, 
uh, Judy Collins, I think, was on it. Was, it was really a great version. Uh, so that's kind of a fun thing to do if you're still sort of celebrating right now. Um, anyway, you've been listening to uh, Chuck Wolf, and this is the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. I will be back on the air next week. I want to thank Neil, and I want to thank Mark for calling in. And I hope when you listen to what I was able to say, in particular to, to Neil, that you are able to hear the steps that you take, which is to ask yourself, what are you feeling when you're stuck and when you're uncertain how to proceed? What are you feeling? And if anyone else is involved, what is he or she are they feeling? What would be ideal to feel? If you could make magic happen, what would really be ideal to feel? And think of the best possible feelings associated with what you want. If you could magically make other feelings appear, what would they be? And then how do you get from what you are feeling to what would be absolutely ideal to feel? For you and for anyone else, that's key to what you're trying to do. And then what are you actually willing and able to do to make it all happen? What are you actually willing and able to do to make it all happen? So that's the emotion roadmap. Uh, as I've said, it's really powerful. It makes a world of difference in terms of how people can process their emotional experiences. I had a chance to, um, I was asked actually to write a chapter for the International uh, Coaching Federation. Uh, it's a group that certifies people and they uh to become coaches, you know, life coaches, executive coaches, leadership coaches, career coaches. Um, and the chapter they asked me to write was sort of the definitive chapter, if you will, about how emotions impact coaching. And the chapter that I wrote was called, I called Successful Coaches Influence Emotions, Thoughts, and Behaviors. And one of the things that I encourage you to think about is that how you're feeling, even though it may not be a strong feeling, because we're, we're very aware when we're feeling strong feelings, but we're always feeling something. Just like we're always breathing but not thinking about breathing, we're always feeling something, we're just not thinking about it. But when you stop and realize what you're feeling, you have an idea how those feelings are impacting what you're thinking about and how you're actually behaving what you're thinking about and how you're actually behaving. So successful coaches influence emotions, thoughts, and feelings. There's a metaphor that I've heard years ago about, you know, sometimes getting to understand what's really driving somebody to do certain things. It's like peeling back an onion. And so on the outer edge of the onion is what you think of as behaviors. And as you take a few layers of the onion off, you see the thoughts behind the layers and then further into the core of the onion are feelings. Feelings drive thoughts, drive behaviors. So I leave you with that as a way of thinking about closing out this, uh, this week's show. Again, I appreciate Neil and Mark calling. Mark, I hope you get some help for what you were looking for. It's a great goal. And, um, you know, one of the things I didn't think to do is maybe, and I, and I like to do this, you know, this is a part of WPKN's community strip. You've been listening to WPKN. And one of the reasons it's called the community strip is because we are community. Maybe next week, if you have some ideas about how to help Mark's stepson, give us a call. Thanks, everybody. I'll be talking to you next week. Have a great week and enjoy this wonderful sunshine.